Hello, and welcome to Our Food is Our Future, presented by Eat Well Saskatchewan and the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition at the University of Saskatchewan. I'm your host and food explorer, Mo Matthew. My guest this week is Jarrett Regeer. Jared is an urban farmer and educator from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, who is passionate about building a more sustainable future. He loves teaching people how to grow food because it is such a powerful vehicle for positive change. Jared owned and operated an award-winning urban farm for six years. His first career as a high school teacher helped him develop an ability to simplify and communicate complex problems. His successful garden attracted curious people who wanted to learn how to grow vegetables like his in their own backyards. It was very natural for Jared to answer the call. Now his teaching and farming experience has found perfect harmony at the Vegetable Academy, where he aims to put the knowledge and tools of the vegetable farmer in the hands of the home gardener. Everybody, this is Jared. Hey, thanks again for doing this for us. Oh, you're welcome. Mom, yeah. Good afternoon, everybody. My guest today is Jared Regeer from the Vegetable Academy here in Saskatoon. I'm lucky enough to have him on as I'm not just the interviewer today, but I'm also a past student or I guess current student. But Jared, tell us about where you're from and uh, what you're up to now. Well, I am. I have the pleasure of saying I'm from Saskatoon and born and raised here. I've only left for a couple of years here and there and always returned home, the place where my family is from, or at least close to here, from a family of farmers and teachers like many in this area. And I just thought, you know, this is a good enough place to settle down. I like the people here. And so I've made it my home. Career-wise, I started working here in the city as a high school teacher, did that for 10 years and developed some neat programs that ended up leading me down the path of, of growing food. I was focused a lot on teaching about sustainable living and active citizenship and found that our food choices are one of the most impactful yet easy decisions to make every single day that can make a difference in the world around us. So when it came time to leave my teaching career and just have a switch in my life, I was really drawn to farming, getting a little bit back to my roots, uh, wanting to be more self-sufficient. My myself, uh, wanting to live more sustainably. The food tied everything together. So I started an urban farm in Saskatoon called Chain Reaction Urban Farm and had a lot of fun doing that. It was really challenging. It's kind of thing where I just jumped in the deep end. Even as a science teacher who had taught my students about growing plants for years, I still had a lot to learn growing things for market and making sure that my results were always consistent and that production was efficient and that everything was profitable. So like there was a, a steep learning curve there, but a fun one for me. And did that successfully for six years. Then I had a couple of, I don't know if this is too much detail, but I had a couple of knee surgeries, got married, had a couple of kids enter the picture, and suddenly life wasn't quite as free, and I wasn't quite as filled, vibrant with energy anymore, and felt the need to, to switch to something that was a little less physically demanding. So I switched from producing for many families in Saskatoon to teaching people how to grow their own food. So transitioning the farm into something that I now run, uh, which is called the Vegetable Academy, where I teach all the things that I've learned about producing for, uh, vegetables at the human scale. And I teach these skills to backyard growers. And the reason I got into that partly, too, is because all my plots around the city were quite visible for people. It wasn't like farming out like uh, an hour out of Saskatoon. No one ever sees what you're doing. Like my my vegetables were right in the face of everyone walking by. The streets where I was working. So I was getting tons of questions and people would always say like, why does my, this, my, my vegetables aren't, don't look like this. What, what are you doing? That's different here. And I would find myself explaining the techniques over and over again. So I thought, look, the world needs a, a course <laughs> about this kind of thing. There's this huge gap between what market growers know about the science of vegetable production and what the average backyard gardener 
uh, is attempting to to do in their backyard. So I wanted to bridge that gap because what what really drove me crazy was when someone would say, "Oh, I just I just can't. I I just don't have good luck with vegetables." Or I yeah, I've tried that and it didn't work, so I'm done. Like just to hear that kind of uh apathy just drove me crazy because I, I want to give people the the confidence and and the independence that comes with with growing their own food. So that's why I'm here today working through the Vegetable Academy to help people become more self-sufficient and just uh, capable of growing their own food. <laughs> Hooray. I mean, it's it's really good uh, because when uh, you can, you know, spark the fire in people, that's great. And if they have one good uh, yield, Everybody thinks they're a gardener and then, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, addiction. I, uh, I myself had a really, really stellar one year and I took out so much vegetables and I filled up freezers. I preserved like crazy. Oh, I just thought I was, I was the bee's knees. And then the next year happened. And so it's, it's good to have a lot more than luck on your side, I say. So in your in your quick uh um bio I picked up quick on preserving food. Now preserving food is to Saskatchewan people has always been really important. But uh do you think it's making a comeback uh in popularity right now? Or necessity? <laughs> I yeah, I don't, I'd certainly not necessity. Like too much is available in our grocery stores still for people to start panicking about what they can access in the winter. I think like you can still stop by any grocery store and pick up any vegetable you want it on any week of the year in Saskatoon, even though that shouldn't be possible, but it is. So, yeah. uh, or, so all of this imported food is making it unnecessary to, to preserve things. Uh, there are those of us though that are in another, in a, a niche of this world that are passionate about eating quality food that hasn't been treated with preservatives or that hasn't been shipped for thousands of miles and had a really uh, a much greater impact on the planet. So if you, for those of us that are wanting to eat more sustainably and eat at a higher quality, then yes, we're getting back into preserving food that we've grown right here at home uh, and doing, doing that with techniques that, don't involve mixing it with a bunch of extra preservatives just so that it can last indefinitely on our shelves. Yeah, that's that's something that uh, we've gotten kind of used to and maybe shouldn't be the case, but that that's a different show. <laughs> uh, so when you're, you're probably getting bombarded with questions already because spring is in the air. Um, so is there a good time to start your garden? Is there a set time? Do you set a day on the calendar and, and let it rip? <laughs> well, uh, generally January is my seed garden planning and seed ordering month. February, I, I regroup my mental, uh, energy and, and let, like kind of charge up because planting is just around the corner, but my first planting doesn't really begin till the first week of March, usually when we get start with our onions and, and leaks maybe the last week of February, but yeah, but everything like the more crops that I brought into my world here, the more I realized that it's, it's an annual, like, or it's not an annual, but, uh, it's a steady production, bringing vegetables into your world to the level of self-sufficiency that we're at right now. There's something to do every month. Like 
just last week I was cleaning out some carrot bins in our like stored from last year um, just to make sure they last into us until June. So it's just it's a one bit of maintenance work that I have right now because we're eating our own year round supply of, of carrots. So there's there's little things like that that come up every month. And I've done my best to pace myself and spread out this work throughout the entire year because that makes it a lot easier on me too to just do little bits of work. So it's not like it's May 21st here and then all of a sudden we're planting everything. That would That's a big stress that I like to avoid. So instead of that, we're, we're gradually getting into the season. As soon as we can plant the earliest and most cold-hardy crops, we're doing it. And then that frees up more time in the future. Once the weather gets warmer, we can plant the warmer season crops and, and have a more gradual entry to the world of gardening every spring. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. And so you're you're saying it can start now, but it pretty much goes until you know mid mid summer. I'd say people are still putting seeds in the ground. Yeah, we'll be if we're just talking about the work of planting. I I would be planting from March first until August twenty fifth would be the last week that we'd be directly seeding some crops. Wow, that's a long season. It is. It's it's longer than the average backyard grower thinks it is actually yeah yeah the a major major weakness of the mo- the mindset of most growers in saskatoon is that they think we need to plant everything after our like on may long weekend after the kind of the last average frost and then we just harvest things when they're ready and then we don't plant any- anymore after that we just like well my garden's done it might be august 25th my lettuce bolted i'm done but we can be planting lettuce in the last week of august still and have fresh lettuce in October if we want to like those these are the things that I needed to pick up as a market grower because if I left my if I left my land empty for any time of the year it was it was a missed opportunity for me to earn more income so and now I transfer that those skills to my home garden and to the things that I teach with vegetable academy so that my students can also grow fresh food and have that access to that food throughout the entire season that that they get to work with as well regardless of their climate and where they are that's great. Like, yeah. that's good to take that information and kind of make it your own. So that's that's really good. Does anything grow well specifically in our climate or maybe not grow well in our climate? We have a, a challenge to grow like peppers, uh, uh, the, the crops that really like a cushy, warm night. They're more of a challenge to grow here. So we will do a crop like peppers or melons in our high tunnel for the best production. The yield for crops like that drops significantly when we just throw it out in the field with the other things like carrots and onions and expect it to be content with our relatively warm days but our pretty cool nights so but things like sweet potatoes too i would love to have a massive crop of sweet potatoes but just our season's too short for something like that but at the same time while it seems like it's impossible to do some things like a sweet potato and and i've tried (laughs) i have had success doing crop like ginger We've done ginger in our high tunnel, started it in February indoors, transplanted it outside in May in our high tunnel, kept it growing right through the fall and pulled out this beautiful, fresh ginger that you would just, oh, the the aroma of it is just incredible for someone, like for a prairie boy like me who's never experienced something like that fresh. (laughs) Like it's like it's from out of this world when all you've seen in your life for ginger is like that old dried up stuff in the grocery store. (laughs) So there are little treats like that that we figured out. Yeah. I think that was... um that might have came from you, actually, that kind of 
inspired me because I think it was in one of your your walks around your your backyard garden. I think you were doing a ginger experiment, and I was like, I'm going to try that because I love ginger. So I did, and I got huge amounts of volume out of it. I was, oh yeah, I was so excited, and I didn't know there was pink shoulders on ginger. You know, so yeah, isn't it beautiful? Yeah, oh, it's beautiful, and that actually goes right into the next question food does it always taste better right out of our our gardens is it better for us is there any gimmick tree to it is there a gimmick or oh gimmetry <laughs> gimmick tree does it always taste better out of the garden my, my kids would sure argue that it does like we're, we've got a four and six year old in our family right now and they often protest when we cook vegetables they would ra- much rather grab a head of cauliflower right out of the garden and just start biting it like full on or a cabbage. Same time they love just eating cabbage, raw carrots with dirt on them, like tomatoes that they've just picked off the plant. And if we, if we make some beautiful vegetable dish in the oven or something for supper, and (laughs) we can get complaints that we've ruined all these fresh vegetables. So there's something, and, and when kids have senses like that, I think there's something to it. Like I think there's an indication there that, that's an indication that that is what we should be doing because kids still have some more of their natural instincts intact, I think. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of my personal impression, I, I, of course, fresh vegetables are amazing. Like when you compare that, I'm, I'm totally spoiled right now, but when I go back to the grocery store <laughs> and I have to eat a, I'm trying to think of, well, occasionally we get some fruit boxes or something from the grocery store in the middle of winter. So just having little tastes of that, like some, and sometimes there's like these, fat imported white strawberries in there that like they're white on the inside because they're like yeah then you have a bite of that and you're reminded okay this is why i grow my own strawberries cardboard strawberries are terrible yeah Yeah. in you know in a past life i was a chef and uh whenever i'd get product like that i'm just so disappointed because you need to make you have to have good quality ingredients to make good quality food and so i was always like oh it's we shouldn't be buying things that are out of season. Yeah. It's just funny. We have here on our food is our future. We have kind of a take on things that food is medicine. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a indigenous or first nation um, saying, but it's, it's very much believed around the world that uh, the food that you put into your body is, has healing effects. Do you believe that? I believe that it, it, yeah, you, you become what you eat and what you breathe and you become the people that are around you too. So there's, it goes deeper than that. But of course, the things that I put in my body are going to impact my overall health. What's tough is to decipher what are those healthy things because we are, we evolved in a time of food scarcity. So our bodies, when they detect that they've had a chance to bite into something that has lots of fats or salts or sugars, then our brains go crazy for it. And so if we get some really easy to digest carbs, we're like, oh, I gotta get, give me some more cinnamon bun. Cause that was, that's what I need. This is easy carbs. Like this is easy energy. <laughs> I, I need to soak my teeth into this and eat as much as I can. And then we get, we have all these problems with insulin resistance and everything that follow that. So that, that seems like it's something my body wants, but if we do something like, fast for a couple of days we can reset our senses our taste buds and then all of a sudden the vegetables are amazingly satisfying for our body they we our body can tell again that that the fresh salad i make 
or the roasted steamed vegetables uh, that I put together on a plate are actually nourishing for my body as well. And I, and if I am disciplined with a few days of healthy eating, then I can lose my cravings for those, the sweets and the fats and, and stuff that are in highly processed foods. Yeah. I like to transition though, the, the, the stop, the breaks in that, because people from my parents' generation, and they would pull a carrot out of the ground. I I lived in a northern community in Manitoba, and we go to this. It was it was a community garden, but it wasn't. It was more like a bunch of friends on somebody's acres, you know, that kind of thing. And so we go there, and there'd be calls. It'd be a buzz. Oh, the carrots are ready. So there'd be like ten families out there, and just you know, brushing your carrot off on your jeans and eating carrots right out of the ground. And there was like it was a celebration and it was like, Oh, these are the first carrots. These are the best carrots so much. Like there's a lot of sugar in carrots. And so it's, it's enough to get, give you that kind of uh, carb high that you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if it's got enough uh, sugar to compare to a cinnamon bun, but you can't grow cinnamon buns. (laughs) Good thing. Because uh, my wife would be raiding our garden all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So, in that, with with having your kids already identify that maybe uh, raw vegetables are good and better for them, and you're saying the the take on resistance to uh, those heavy carb versions of food, you you would think that the role of food is fairly important to health and wellness. Yeah, yeah, I feel it evidenced in in my peace of mind and my the, the way I manage stress throughout my my life if or my life if I am eating healthy I seem to manage stress better if I'm exercising I manage stress better if I skip out on that stuff if I start eating poorly and not exercising then I'm much worse at managing the stress in my life and more more it's more of a roller coaster so I, I can totally see that my life is much better in balance when I'm eating better and and moving my body regularly it's, becomes obvious if you're paying attention I think and if you've experienced both sides of the spectrum if you haven't dipped down and left all of that that nutritious food for a while and experienced what it's like to just eat a bunch of processed stuff for a while or if you haven't on the other hand experienced what it's like to eat a bunch of fresh vegetables and high quality food all the time then then maybe you don't know what it's like in in either world completely but I feel like I've experienced both of those worlds and I definitely like the one that uh, is healthier with the fresh vegetables uh, being the main staple ingredient. Yeah. And your body is always moving. I'm going to encourage everybody that listens to this to go and watch your videos because you, you do so much and I'm a busy person and I watch your videos and I say, you got to get up, get up and get out there, man. You're, you're lazy compared to Jared. So um, <laughs> I, I really think you do so much in your gardens and it's great for people to see that in your videos and, uh, how you just go, go, go. I'm sure it's it's exhausting to even think about, but yeah, I really appreciate it from the outside. I, I will clarify though, like that is a misconception. Like the amount of work that people think I do in my garden is that is is the misconception because I get so many comments when I am working in my garden, like, oh, finally you're here today. Like I always walk by this garden, I've been walking by it for years, and I never see anybody here. I'm amazed that. Yeah, how does this work? How does this, how do all these things grow without me being here? Because the fact is, I'm, I'm there, 
like, of course, when you're watching videos of mine, I'm always there because I'm making a video. But yeah, most of the time, my gardens sit there empty because they're well maintained. Like we've got all the right strategies in place that are not causing me to have to spend extra labor. So for the most part, I go out to plant. I weed very minimally and come back to harvest and maybe plant again. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and got it down to a science. So, yeah. But um, yes, I am still very passionate about using my human labor to accomplish my work. Uh, and to bring the food in because the mo- the moment I start to employ even the smallest tractor like a rotor tiller, then the impact of my food, like my emissions per, per per calorie or something like that, if you were to be able to calculate something like that, then they start to skyrocket. So uh, we got to learn how to produce more food with our own two hands here in Saskatchewan if we're going to be living here sustainably. And vegetables are are the ticket to that, I think, like the, the the number of calories and the nutritional value that I can pull out of my land per square foot far surpasses any of the industrial crops. Like there's no comparison. So it's great. It's a great match. We can do this kind of work with our hands and we can get huge value from our land with it. Why? Why would we not? Well, the answer is because we're still importing a bunch of cheap food. So <laughs> there's another tangent if you want to get. Yeah, geez. <laughs> so. You grow a lot of things, and uh, if somebody sees your videos, they're going to say, I didn't know we could grow that here. But there is things that are very Saskatchewan. Do you have a Saskatchewan a favorite ingredient from Saskatchewan? I don't know. what. Well, my mind goes to Saskatoon berries. What's more Saskatchewan than that? But like so many of the crops we grow today are, they haven't originated here necessarily. They're, they're from different parts of the world. They've been bred over many many years to have the qualities that they do today and we were able since these crops are now treated as annuals in our our climate we can still get away with growing peppers and tomatoes in saskatchewan so is there a favorite crop that's exactly like a saskatchewan crop tried and true i don't know i would just yeah i'd have to leave it at saskatoon berries but i've got plenty of because they're the most native crop that we would have yeah yeah. I I sometimes go my I've got asked this question before and my brain went because Saskatoon's you're right that's that's an absolute but my brain went to beets then historically uh, beets were part of the homesteaders thing there was a sugar beet plantation uh, in Saskatchewan a long time ago there's there's all this stuff and and me in Saskatchewan always had borscht on our table like and it seemed like where are these beets coming from because i i think i had borscht every meal for a couple summers so um <laughs> it was it's funny that i think that beets are but you're right they don't they don't come from here so it's a, a little different for sure okay so i do appreciate your time i thank you very much for coming on but i i always ask one last question and uh it's more an advice piece. Do you do you have any advice to give to young students or maybe new gardeners that are listening to this podcast? And not just about health and wellness, but like activity and gardening and and maybe life. Broad. <laughs> that's, that's a broad question. <laughs> and we're wrapping this up. Okay. Um, well, the first bit of advice is to grow your own food. I worked with so many students in our in my high school where I taught, and every year I would see this this revelation every time I saw a student follow a crop from seed to harvest. And what changed in them was they thought at the start of the year they would say something like, "Oh, I don't I don't really like 
carrots. I don't really like broccoli, but their only experience up until that point with those foods was like those little carrot nubs that you get in a, in a bag that are all chipped oh. into the uniform shapes <laughs> or broccoli that's already been sitting on a shelf for a month before it got to your plate. Like, yeah, agreed. I don't want to eat that stuff either. But after they've seen one of those crops go from seed to harvest and they've got kind of emotionally attached to the success of growing something and then they get to experience the satisfaction of eating something and the flavor that comes with that fresh produce, then then your world has just changed and you've got this new respect for fresh homegrown food and you're going to be on the right track to growing more of it, I think, maybe even hooked for life. So that's my first tip is is to try growing your own food. Second would be to move your body, like put down your phone, go out there and move your body, find a physical sport to play, an activity, dance, the arts, whatever, like find ways to move your body every day because that helps wire your brain in different ways so that you're just going to live more positively and crave good foods uh, that you are hopefully going to be able to grow. And then the last tip would be to surround yourself with great people that are going to love you and encourage you in positive ways. Oh, <laughs> you hit on everything. <laughs> it's it's like a cheat code you just gave us. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I think that's great. I'm really hopeful that grow your own food thing really seeps in because there's there's so many people that don't don't equate nutrition to health. And I think it's very important. And so, and not everybody gets to experience carrots right out of the ground. So, yeah. And you know what? The great thing is about all those tips. I just, just occurred to me. You could do them all at the same time. You could grow your own food, move your body and do it with some friends. And there you just hit all the three back to back and you solved all your problems with one solution. (laughs) (laughs) Good. It's always good to have that. Well, Thank you very much, Jared. I I know your time's precious and probably getting ready for some other things. So I appreciate your time and thank you very much for being on Our Food is Our Future. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Thanks for that. I would like to take this opportunity to thank Eat Well Saskatchewan for their continuing support of our podcast, Our Food is Our Future. Eat Well Saskatchewan is a free provincial service offered by the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition at the University of Saskatchewan and funded in part by Indigenous Services Canada. Eat Well Saskatchewan is here to help bridge the gap for nutrition services to rural, remote and isolated communities that lack easy access to dietitians. And a huge thank you goes out to the Community Initiatives Fund for our funding and their vision. Without their support, we couldn't tell the stories of our people, our communities, our food and our future. A heartfelt thank you and Marseille.